telling you <laughs> what Pastor Jay was mentioning. I felt, you know, I was talking to him in between, changing over. Just didn't want to leave. Just didn't want to leave. Just wanted to stay there. Just let that marinate. You know, and <laughs> the interesting thing, and we're going to get into this last piece, but the interesting thing is the reason why movement couldn't happen is Pastor Jay was alluding to at that point when the cloud came in is because that's what it was all for. The answer for everything that was needed was answered in the cloud. The cloud was it. That's all that mattered. So at that point, it got so cloudy in the temple that everything just shut down. But the interesting thing about the temple is the temple, it was, it was mooted. It had lighting that went along with creating a mood. So it wasn't a lot of light in the temple. It was a dark place. But there was a space where the light could come in. you're going to see a completed work. 
you're going to see it completed. Before the cloud, nothing. It was a gap. After the cloud, it's finished. Before the cloud, I just don't know, Lord. I'm trusting you. This invisible God, I'm trusting what they told me about you. just see it and figure it out. This is not going to be based off of man's hands. It's not going to be based off of your ingenuity, your ability to think through each layer of the breakthrough. But it is going to be not there, cloud complete. Hallelujah. The presence of God is the difference. So I am going to continue with this same sentiment. Thank you, Lord. Because there is a fulfillment that we need so last week we talked we talked we talked and hopefully you took some things away we talked about navigating the prophetic the law and the prophets today's context will be the same but instead of it just being the law and the prophets it will be the law and the prophets fulfilled It's all about that completion. It's all about that completion. We want manifestation. We want fulfillment. And God is going to tell us about it. He's going to talk to us about it. And so we'll stick around the same area. The atmosphere is so charged that the prayer has already went forth. I'm, I'm not going to belabor it with, you know, an, an, another prayer. God is here. He's speaking. It's him that's got the mic. I'm saying I'm just up here as a vessel that's it but it's his word it's his truth and uh, we're going to dive right in um, so if you can let's go to Matthew let's go back to Matthew 25 and we're going to go straight to verse uh, 40 if we can yeah, I'm trying to straight to verse 40 I won't read through what, what we went through but I want to put up the, the statement that Jesus made, all right? And so if you were with us last week, thank God for you. If you weren't with us last week, please go check it out uh, so you can, you know, kind of be up to speed and understand the connection between two. Um, 
And so just to, to bring you up to speed and just kind of summarize what we have here is we have a conversation coming from a legal, a lawyer, someone who is, you know, the tops in the law. They know the scripture, man. They would be like, you know, the theologian in our era, in our day. They'd be the, like the one that just can tell you everything about the scriptures, you know, you know, just have, have, have a line on everything. So they knew all the letter. And so they were around. Now, here's, here's what it was. It was, it was the, the Sadducees and the, and the Pharisees, but they were around, and they were trying to find a way to tempt Jesus. Okay. So the purpose wasn't real good. Like, they weren't coming to, to just ask a question. The question was loaded, and their hopes for asking the question was to get a certain response so they can catch him in a way to expose him as not being who he was. And so Jesus understood this, but he never expressed uh, an anger about that. He wasn't, you know, sometimes you feel like when people are trying to call you out, trying to play you, um, you know, that's, that's me. That's what, you know, like, don't try to play me, bro. Try to play me, man. You know, the spirit of slap will come over you. I just want to take your teeth out. How you going to try to play me, bro? Jesus didn't have that kind of character about the situation because he knew he was right. He, he understood what he was there for. And so because he was there to fulfill something, he responded in a way to create or pull out, extract from the person that was asking the question, the answer that he was seeking. But he didn't just want to address the actual answer. He wanted to give the fulfillment. And so, in order for him to do so, he had to pull out the information that the person already had through the letter. But see, the letter has some interesting pieces that go along with it. See, a letter by itself can, the Bible says it, it brings death, but, but it can be manipulated. If you know how laws work, you understand that you can take a law and you can use it how you want to use it. You can manipulate that law for your benefit. And so the scribes and the Pharisees, this is what they were doing. They were manipulating the law to provide a certain sense of this is how I want it to be. And in order for you to get what you need to get, you got to come to me. Right? Because it was a tool. So now here's Jesus saying, I'm going to go back to this letter that you had, but I'm not just going <laughs> to I'm not just going to answer your question from a standpoint of manipulation. See, Jesus wasn't bent on being the master. He wasn't bent on running people. He understood his purpose. He understood the reason why he was here. And just sidebar, anytime you deal with people and you find that they are very strict and they love to have their way, you know, with, with a thing like, you know, to kind of manipulate it for their benefit, it comes from a place of insecurity. It comes from a place of not knowing why they're here. And because of that, they have the need to want to have dominion over somebody else. So anything that I can control, I need to control because I fear what you or your presence can bring to it. See, I don't think I'm enough. I'm inadequate. And so since I'm inadequate, I have to control everything that is around me. So people will do that, and they'll do that in your life, and they'll show themselves real easy. It's like, why every time I talk to this person, they got to have their way. They, they, you know, 
But we need to have compassion and understand who we are because now we won't be defensive and miss an opportunity to do what Jesus did. Minister. Jesus understood the assignment. He understood why he was here. So here's his response. Okay? So he asked the man the question. He pulls out what the man says. The man says, all right, this is what they are. And he says, all right. So the greatest commandment, he answers him. He says, the greatest commandment is to love God with all your heart, soul, and mind. Right? Everything in you should love God. Second commandment is just as important as the first. All right? And this is to love your neighbor as yourself. All right? So this means that that love has to go abroad. We talked about that last week. We showed you the, the picture of the cross, right? My love to God is the vertical line. My love to humanity is the horizontal line. In that, I have the cross. I found my cross. Everybody has a cross to bear. That's it. That is your cross to bear. There is nobody in the building, whether you are a, pre a pastor, preacher, Whatever is your title that doesn't have a cross to bear, that's your cross. Pick up your cross. Walk with your cross. Cross is real simple. Love God fully with your heart, everything you got, and love your neighbors as yourself. Simple, right? Sounds simple. Here's what Jesus says. He says that entire law and all the demands of the prophets are based on these two commandments. All right? The King Jimmy version says that all of this can be hung on these two commandments. All right? Now, the importance of this is to understand the fulfillment. We have to understand the fulfillment. So let's go back to last week just a little bit so we can carry out some points because we're going to show you something here in a second. Let me, y'all know I like to, Give y'all a little visual. <laughs> All right. So we said that everything could be hanging on this cross. We just talked about the cross. So we'll put the cross over here. All right. That's going to be the cross. Forgive my line not being long enough. All right. Where's the wood? It's wood, so it'll be bumps in the cross. All right. So now we have our cross over here. All right. This is my relationship to God. And this is my relationship to humanity. I'll just put it like that. All right. So now, I have my relationship with God. I have, I have my relationship with man. He said, now, on these two commandments, you can hang all the law and the prophets. All right? So this means that what's going to go on this cross is the law and the prophets. Everything that the law intended to do is going to go on this. Everything that the, that the law intended, the commandments intended to create is going to be up here on this cross. All right? And so last week we talked about volume. All right? We, had, we carried away volume. All right? And there was two major points about volume I want to make sure that we talk about when we talk about it. All right, so the, the, the carryaways it is. All right. The law is only useful, 
It's only effective if it's in volume. So we talked about last week the difference between area and volume and how volume feels or swells, right? So it encompasses everything that's within it, all right? And so the law is something that's going to be hanging on this, and the prophets are going to be hanging on it. The law and volume and the prophets. Okay. Now you can't see my, my, my scrabble. Just understand that's what it is. It's the law and the prophets. All right. Now, in the volume, though, we have to talk about the fact that it came in the volume. It was important for there to be volume. It had to consume the entire nature of that thing. So we need to talk about that. Why is it important? So let's talk about it. We said law is only effective if it's done in volume. There's a scripture that supports that, right? It says the letter killeth, but the spirit maketh alive, right? The spirit makes it alive. I want you to understand something. Every law that was established had a spirit of that law. Right? This is the same for God. God spoke and his words, he had an intention behind the words. So when I say spirit in this context, I'm talking about the reason for the words being used. I love Greek and Hebrew because it points back to a time when words didn't just mean one thing. In our culture and our society now, we have our own ways of using words, and so sometimes we limit it. Words are very black or white, and that's the trouble with law. Law can be very black or white, right, wrong, yay, nay. It doesn't have color. You don't understand it by spirit, and so it was important that the spirit of the letter would be communicated that's why Jesus came to fulfill the law. So when we talk about fulfillment, we talk about the spirit taking the words and making it reality. How can I understand what the word says if I just read the word? Reading the word then cannot just be enough. I can educate and be able to understand and be able to even teach other people what the word says and not understand the intention behind what was said. If I miss the intention, then I miss the whole point. That is why the letter killeth, but the spirit makes it alive. Because if I use just the word... I will get you under control with my ability to be able to teach you what I want you to know. But if I miss the actual purpose behind it, you will be stuck with just following the instruction of the letter. It's not enough. The letter was never intended just to be followed as a directive. It was intended to be fulfilled. There had to be some fulfillment in that. So now, let's understand the fulfillment, the volume, if we will. 
The Bible says it like this. Jesus said this. He said this for himself. Every word that I speak, Jesus said, it is what? It's spirit and life to the hearer. Listen, let's check this out. If God speaks a word, and that's why I love our church. I love y'all. God knows I love y'all. Woo! I'm telling you the truth. In praise and worship today, and going through the conversation, even as Pastor Jay got up here, he said something about power. He talked about the word resounding. He said an echo is the word that he used. We understand echo, right? In understanding the word echo, what do you think about, right? I think about the Grand Canyon. Hey, 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 hey. That volume kind of trickles out until you can't hear it anymore. However, the word isn't like that. The word resounds. So, if I was operating in kingdom, or if I was speaking from the frequency of heaven, if I said, hey, the hey would never end. Every time I said it, the very first time I said it, the power that I said it in would resound at that same level every single time. And because God is eternal, it would continue to communicate in that same sense. Here's why it's important not to just follow the word as instructions. Because if you follow them as instructions, then they lose their life. And you can only hear it that one time. Or maybe the twice. But God isn't about you following that instruction that once or that twice. He's about the word being alive in you so that it can continue to resound. It needs to be with its maker. Its maker is eternal. It needs to go out into the atmosphere so that it can eternally work. The reason or the thing that, that, that Pastor Jay instructed us to do is prophesy. Why was prophecy so important? Because it was a resounding word to continue in a point of conversation that aligned with what God said continually. It's not enough for you to hear what we say. You have to then in turn be able to say what we say. And you have to be able to continually let it flow out of your mouth. Why? Because the word coming out of your mouth has the same power that the word coming out of God's mouth has. It is spirit, like Jesus said, and life to the hearer. But you got to understand the assignment. The problem with the, pro the, the prophets and some of the scribes and Pharisees, they read the word and they, put, they made it into a legal thing. So now it is just something to be followed that we can say we do. It wasn't about them each week quoting it. It wasn't about them every day saying it. It wasn't about them following the rudiments of it in such a strict context that you could see it. It was about it actually being alive in them. And they missed the point. And sometimes we missed the point.
Sometimes we hear and hear and we say in a religious way. I was thinking about that myself. I said, man, uh, I think Pastor Jay said that that challenged me. I said, man, he said it uh, last week, I believe, right before the word. He said, um, he, he spoke about us saying something as a form or formality and not really seeing the power of what that thing is. It almost as if it, it lost focus because it was just something that we kind of did religiously. You know? It was something that we just said, you know, I'm going to say God is good because that's what I'm supposed to say. I'm going to lift my hands because that's what I'm supposed to do. Even though I know that I need God's presence, I might miss God's presence in my actions of worship. And so I consistently sing, I consistently dance, I consistently speak in tongue, I consistently read my Bible, I consistently pray. But unfortunately, you can't see it alive because I do it as a practice, I do it as a regimen, I do it as a routine. But I have created a form of godliness, and I have denied the power. We got a a saying now in the world, it it just don't hit the same. I'm, I'm shouting, but it just don't hit the same. I'm singing, but it just don't hit the same. I'm praying, I'm reading, I'm fasting, but it just don't hit the same. It's just an exercise. But bodily exercise profit very little. And now I'm focused in on just the regimen and I'm missing the spirit. So God said, I never wanted you to miss the spirit. The important piece is that I don't want this to be tablets of stone that you follow as a requirement. I want this thing to be written on your heart because your heart pumps blood. And by it pumping blood, it knows how to circulate what's needed, when it's needed, to whom it's needed. And in order to understand the assignment... You have to realize that the assignment has always been my relationship to God and my relationship to my fellow humans. We are living beings, not living tryings. Every day we exist, we live, we love. We breathe. There is no day that's like unto the next. How dare us try to box God in to a rudiment or to a a a restriction or a daily routine as if he is dead. The anger of the Lord is kindled upon idolatry because the very thought that I can box God in to a single solitary thing is offensive to God. The point of the entire book is relationships. My God. 
If you receive a word from a prophet and it does not reflect relationship, you need to reconsider if you received a word from a prophet. The point of the prophecy is to always improve two things. My relationship with God or my relationship with my fellow brothers and sisters. That is the spirit of the law. That is every demand that the prophet made was for that purpose. So, Everything hinges, hangs on these two commandments. It's about relationships. And it's about fulfillment. So let's look at Jesus. Jesus then says, I'm pointing to you to show you what you need to look at. He said, I'm going to show you two things. The law and the demands of the prophets. He said both of these things are pointing. To the cross. Right now, if you don't think that the full Bible, canonized version that we read, if you segment it and don't think about the purpose, you'll miss the point. Everything here and here has to do with relationship and has to point to the cross. Here's the big win for us. You got Romans, Brother John? Elder Johnny, could you pull up Romans chapter 8? I think I have that up there. Yeah. <laughs> I love it. All right. So, everything there is pointing for a reason. But here's the big win for us. God's word explains itself. Jesus, who understood the assignment, says, this is why I'm here. And now, look at what it says. For God achieved, he fulfilled, he completed, he put a period on it. Jesus saying it is finished on the cross was God's period. That means that what God said about us will continue in the ages based off of that statement. We're going to bring this back to faith in a minute, but I want you to check this out. He said, God, for God achieved, he achieved what the law was unable to accomplish. Because the law could only point. So, the law was unable to accomplish it. So, but God achieved it. Keep reading. Because the law was limited by the weakness of human nature. What do we just talk about? The, the scary thing about law is that as humans, we have our own agenda. And with our own agenda, we can manipulate how the law works. And we limit the fullness 
of that law because we forget the intention behind that law. It's no need for you to understand that you shouldn't murder if you don't understand the intention. This is why Jesus was so challenging in his ministry because they called him a blasphemer because he took the law of Moses and elevated it. He said, I didn't come to do away with this. He said, but y'all talking about murder. I'm saying if you got anger in your heart, you understand that the intention is relationship. So you're ending it with the end of the barrel of the gun. You think it's as long as you don't clip that person that you've done a good job. But if you walk away with this anger and revenge and spite in your heart, you've missed the purpose. You're talking about I shouldn't commit adultery. You're just looking at the action. You're saying, hey, you know what? I didn't sleep with her. You know, I thought about it. I didn't do it, though. You know what I'm saying? But what you missed is the understanding that goes behind it. In your mind, you have cracked that relationship. You have severed it because in your heart, you've already done it. But see, as men, women, we have the ability to manipulate these laws and separate them from their actual intention. But God says, no, we can't separate that. And that's been the problem. Throughout the century, we've had the law and then we've had the prophets and we've waited on the demands of the prophet to call us into question to check the results of us not following the law. So when the law wasn't followed, then the prophets came behind and said, hey, you ain't doing what God said. And he's saying that neither one of those was enough. Yet God sent his own son, Jesus, understanding the assignment. Guess what? We are joint heirs. Guess who Jesus is now? I promise you. I'm not trying to make you feel like you're blaspheming. I'm not trying to, but you got to understand you're worthy. As Courtney was screaming out, you're worthy. God has considered you worthy. You are his representation in the earth. There's Bible upon Bible upon Bible for that. Yeah, you talking about me? Yeah, the person that's got a problem like this? Yeah, uh-huh, you. You are the one that God called to be Jesus in the earth. So, the son... He sent his own son in human form because it was all about relationships to identify, identify, identify. I identify with you. We're people of like passions, right? You get hungry, I get hungry. You have to go to the restroom, I have to go to the restroom. Right? You need comfort, communication. I need that too. There is a connection that we have as humans where we all are on an identity. We understand how it feels to be. And so for this purpose, God says, I need to identify. 
I need them to understand the purpose, but I need them to understand that I'm not just word. I'm fulfillment. I'm not just talking a talk. I'm actually willing to walk it out. I'm not just somebody that is invisible in heaven. I now identify with you because you have a fleshly connection to be able to see, access, touch, feel. We have not an high priest that has not been touched by the feelings of our infirmity. Infirmity means weakness. The, the, the flesh, the fact that I'm in the human form, I understand that. Jesus' human body was going to have to fall under the ramifications of what happened in the garden. So although the human body was not created frail by the falling of Adam, it was subject to fail. And so God said, I have to send that kind of being I have to send I have to send my word in the earth suit so that the connection can be made so Jesus dealt with every single he embodied every single experience that we have of being human he identified with human weakness Clothed with humanity, God's son gave his body to be the sin offering. The law says the only way for me to connect to God is through offerings of sin. Because God is so holy and I have been born into sin, and shaped into iniquity. So the only way for me in the Old Testament to identify with God was through an offering of sin, a sacrifice of sin. I, that means I had to give something up contractually to receive from God. I had to follow commandments contractually. Go to Deuteronomy 28, read through it. It continues to remind you throughout that every single blessing that is attached is based off of your conditional response. You have to follow the law. You have to do everything. And it says it specifically and plainly. Everything that this thing says, if you want to be blessed. You want to be blessed in the city? Cool. Do everything I say. You want to be blessed in the field? Cool. Do everything I say. You want to be healed? You want your family to be healed? Cool. Do everything I say. You want your stuff to prosper? Everything that you have? All the works of your hands? Cool. Do everything that I say. But we needed somebody to embody that. Because human weakness prevented us from doing everything he said. We didn't understand the intention behind it. So we were following fleshly ordinances and didn't understand the intention. Let me tell you something right now. If you follow what we say religiously 
and you only do it because we say it, then, yeah, you're, you're being obedient. Kudos to you. However, there is a fulfillment of that thing. So it is important not just that you understand what we say, but you understand why we say. So if we say it's good for you to give, you need to understand why. It's important for you to get that. And that has to be revealed to you. Let the spirit reveal it to you. We can teach all day long, but the spirit has to reveal it to you. Why? Because the intention behind it, you can be persuaded all you want, but I don't want your persuasion. Listen, let me tell you when your persuasion doesn't matter. You could be persuaded that God is a healer, but that ain't stopping you from going to the doctor. I need your persuasion to become a reality. How does that happen? Revelation. God, his presence, his volume, becoming that thing. You, you didn't see it before. But now it's been revealed. Cloud lifts, completed work. How does that happen? Through revelation. The spirit of God is always going to point you to the cross. Prophecy is always going to point you to the cross. Commandments are always going to point you to the cross. Now let's talk about what was on the cross. What was on the cross? Clothed with humanity, God's son, God's son gave his body to be the sin offering so that God could once <laughs> and for all condemn the guilt and the power of sin. Now, let me just give you a quick workable definition of sin. Very a biblical definition. Sin equals death. Okay? All right, simple. Now, with that being said, death is separation from God. That's it. Not real theological, not don't have to pull out definitions, don't have to write it down on the board. It's very simple. To be separated from God is to be dead. Ceasing to exist, having no substance or purpose. Simple. So, the opposite side of that is to be connected to God is life. And eternal life. This means that by my connection to, I absorb the properties of. By my connection to God, I am alive. Here's the point. The power of sin was death. Simple. Simple. But the gift of God is eternal life. Who was the gift? God's son 
gave up his body to be the sin offering. Jesus was the offering. He embodied the law, the prophets. He embodied the relationship completely. And by him doing so, now we live. Got a little, little more further. I want you to write this down if you have something to write with. If you don't, if you got a little app where you got your Bible app or whatever, go into your Bible app. Go to Hebrews. Go to Hebrews real quick. Chapter 10. Hebrews 10. And if you want to write this down to read later, read the whole chapter 10. Do that. That's, that's definitely a benefit. But if you want to focus in on what we're talking about right now, just 1 through 11 is good. Okay? All right? And I'm going to bring out these points, and we're going, we're going to be good to go. All right. So Hebrews 10, and I'll be reading it in, in King James so if you, if, you, if, you, if you want to pull it up, you can. If not, just listen in. I'm going to break it down. All right? So Hebrews 10. Verse 1. For the law having a shadow of good things to come. What did the law do? It pointed to good things to come. It's just a shadow. It's the reason why we can't say that, you know, America fell whenever they stopped using the Ten Commandments. It's a lie. Everything that the law embodied, everything that the commandments embodied pointed to one area. And if America lives, it's going to live and die by Jesus Christ. That's it. Not our ability to follow the commandments. Okay? And this is the problem with law. If it's a requirement, we are trying to figure out the requirement instead of believing in the solution. If we believe in the solution and we are filled with the promise of the solution, the Bible says that you are above the law. The law was made for man, but we are not just man. We are spirit. All right. For the law having a shadow of good things to come, and it expresses this, and not the very image of the thing. It says real simple. First off, the commandments were just a shadow. It wasn't actually the thing. Let me tell you something. You got a loved one. Would you hug their shadow? got a husband or a wife would you kiss you would you kiss the, the shadow you want to make that contact right you want to make that connection with the actual thing the law was just a shadow how, how sad would that be to make a connection with the shadow and not the actual thing what if somebody came up to you and started talking to your shadow you think they were crazy right Probably put them on some medication and get them some help. All right. So it was not the actual thing. <laughs> so it says this, that uh, it, since it was uh, only the image of the things, it could never, with those sacrifices, 
which they offered year by year continually, make the comers thereunto perfect. The law was the requirement to stay connected with God. Every year they had things that they had to do religiously to continue in God's presence. But every year they had to come back. This means that every year when they left, they were just as conscious of sin as when they came. They did not get a solution. They got a continuation. Think about it in this term. If you're paying for a house, a mortgage, each month you make mortgage payments. But you're making payments because eventually you get to purchase the house. There's going to come a time where you're going to be able to stop making those payments. Because it belongs to you. You have now assumed ownership of it. I'll tell you something. <laughs> Yearly, they had to continue to come seek righteousness. But they couldn't own righteousness. They had to make payment after payment. They were renting. They had a nev never had a promise to buy. Only an extension on use. I get to use this a little longer. And some of us are operating in a renter's mentality. We're living our day-by-day -day life just doing enough just to buy time. So I'm going to do enough just so I can be here tomorrow. Don't want to get kicked out yet. All right. Now, since they can never be made perfect or whole, all right, for they would not have ceased to be offered. He said, in other words, if they were going to be made whole one year, they would have stopped. When you finish paying off your house, you finish. You send the money to the bank you want to. They'll take it, but they don't own the loan no more. It's yours. It's your property. How many of us are paying on things that are completed? How many of us are putting our down payment and our monthly payment on healing instead of possessing it? How many of us are, are putting our down payment on righteousness instead of possessing it? Because if I own it, it's mine. I don't have to earn it. So when I come in here and lift my hands, I'm not lifting my hands to be made righteous. When I come and I worship on this auxiliary, I'm not worshiping on this auxiliary to be made whole. When I give and I give into my tithe or my offering, I'm not doing that to be wealthy. I possess it. It belongs to me. And when it belongs to me, I do what I do from a different place. Yeah, I'm going to give. Why am I going to give? Sidebar, small sidebar. I promise won't stay here long. That's the point of money. Money has no other importance in the kingdom. 
The reason for money is relationships. Everybody want to fuss. Ah, ah, why do I tithe? Why do I do this? It's all about relationships. You think I'm doing it because I want? No, it's all about relationships, baby. It's about relationships. This thing is about relationships. It's not to be made whole. The Bible says that they could not feel the need with offerings. Offerings didn't do it for them. It was about coming to an end of all things by main whole. But the point is the relationships. Until relationships cease, then you don't have to worry about stopping. Do what you do. As long as you're on the planet, you need to be given something. But it's not because you're trying to be approved of God. It's because you are approved of God. And you understand the assignment. If you give with that, then, then your obligation is not to me. Your obligation is not out of, out of God coming down and cursing you with a curse. Your obligation then becomes, I just want to do what God wants me to do. I just want to be in purpose. I just want to walk worthy. I just want to do what God says do. I want to give for the purpose of being able to, listen, the point of giving, listen, listen, listen. I, I promise you, I try not to stay on this. Listen, the point about giving According to what the scripture says, Jesus uses this, this unjust story, this unjust steward story. Luke 16, go there. I promise you, you'll love it. He says that this man who misuses property, he's an unjust steward. It's horrible. But he builds relationships. The whole point of the story is at the end of the story, this guy who is horrible, deplorable, you would not, you would not have this guy working for you. But he know how to build relationships. The reason why the, the, the owner praised him in his, his, his wrong works was because he used the resource to create relationships. He says of this man, Jesus says, more shrewd are the men of this world than the children, the sons of light. The problem with the church is we forgot the purpose. It's about relationships. Why else is there a need for you to have revenue? It's only about relationships. It's not for you to live in a beautiful house and to say, I got this and I got that. It's for you to be able to create relationships. That's what Jesus was saying. He wasn't saying uh, uh, steal money. He was saying everything that you're a steward over should be for the purpose of creating. Don't forget the assignment. The problem with chasing after money and loving money is that you forget the assignment. You start to worship the resource instead of using it for the purpose of what it's been given. So you're giving if you're doing it on a regular basis. You're doing it because it should point you to the cross. 
Notice I didn't point to the board. I said to the cross. Because that's where the cross is now. It should point you to the cross. That's why you should cheerfully give. That's how you can do it. Because I'm doing it. I'm doing it out of this. I'm not doing this to hit a requirement that's already been paid for. I'm doing this because right here. I understand the assignment. And if you don't, it'll be revealed to you. I promise you. Scriptures are there. All right. I didn't mean to get off that long. Forgive me. Okay. And I'm going to finish up here and we'll be done. All right. Now it says they would not be ceased to be offered. They would have stopped. They would have stopped making the payments if it was if I if I bought the product, I don't need to buy it anymore. I don't need to keep paying for something I already bought. If I own it, I own it. Because that the worshipers, once purged, should have no more consciousness of sin. Here's the thing. <laughs> you understood what we what we saw a while ago, it said the guilt. Do you know if something is already taken care of? There's still a conscience of it, though. So the thing about your memory, right? I love what Courtney said in, in worship. She said, don't let those thoughts of who you were prevent you from accepting the gift that's here for you now. See, the problem is not that you're still doing those things. It's just the conscience. Because the conscience will make you drop this thing off and let it go. It'll tell you that you're not worthy to accept the gift that's right in front of you. Love that. Love that. Because it's the truth. I struggle with condemnation. Condemnation is guilt. It doesn't have to be of what you're doing now. Because one thing you can't do is unremember. can't take it back it's already happened so how do you fix that you have to understand that it's been completed you know what that needs to go that needs to go to the cross because guess what when that cross was formed and Jesus died on it he didn't just take care of what happened before I understood who he was? He's eternal. So he took care of it all. Scripture said once for all. All right. All right. Promise y'all. Stop getting off. Okay. All right. But in those sacrifices, there is a remembrance again, that's what he's talking about, made of sin every year. For it's not possible that the blood of bulls or goats can take away sins. Wherefore, this is why when Jesus came into the world, I want y'all to hear this. This is what Jesus said. Wherefore, when he came into the world, he said, sacrifices and offerings, thou wouldest not. Now, it's going to explain itself. I'm going to just keep reading. But a body has thou prepared me. In burnt offerings and sacrifices for sin, thou hast no pleasure. This is Jesus talking to God. 
thou has no pleasure. Then said I, now he's quoting Psalms. He's quoting a prophecy about himself. This is what Jesus says. He says, I understood the assignment. I understood the intention by my being here. I understand why I'm here, and I'm here to fulfill what the previous scripture said. He said, in Psalms, David spoke of me. So this is what he said. Lo, I come in the volume of the book. It is written of me to do thy will, O God. Point blank, period. This is Jesus embodying his purpose. He says, I got it. Offerings, I got it. Sacrifices, I got it. Those things didn't bring you pleasure, God. That's the reason why they did them every year. But you prepared me a body. Right now, I want you to understand that you are the body. The importance is for you to get the revelation that you are just as Jesus was the fulfillment somebody said there's a problem in the world today I'm looking at the answer you're saying there's a problem in my home I'm looking at the answer Jesus understood the assignment. We need to understand the assignment. Remember the prayer I had you guys pray? Ephesians 3. The last part of that, the Pastor Jay went back through today. You heard that part? By the power worketh in us he says before that I would do exceeding abundant above all that you could ask or even imagine but he said I'm going to do it according to fulfillment working where <laughs> it's funny that he didn't he didn't just say that was in him he said in you 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 exceeding abundant why exceeding abundant because it's not for you You got to understand the assignment. You're not saved for you. You got to understand the assignment. You are the fulfillment. You are the answer. 
are the reflection. Greater works shall ye do. Here's Jesus saying, greater works shall ye do. Greater works. Here's Jesus saying it. I know we always say, but I hate Jesus. <laughs> greater works. Who am I? I can't do the greater works according to according to the power that echoes at the same velocity at the same speed at the same ability every single time you of a cold, you can heal people of cancer. The same power that was required to take away a sinus infection is the same power that's required to take away AIDS. The power isn't limited, the thing is limited. And it is at work in you give it a sound give it a declaration declare it with the confidence and faith that God has said it when Jesus spoke he had power that same power not an inferior power not a watered down version about the loss we think about the end when we look at the cross but we should actually think about the power we should think about the, the living we should think about the health because the scripture says by his stripes I am healed and when you look at the cross if you keep seeing sick you got to understand that what you should be seeing is healed Everything that he finished wasn't an end to anything but to sin. The only thing that ended is what could limit us.
This isn't a symbol for us to worship. This is a ramp for us to be lifted on. This isn't an idol for us to be rigid and make rules to obey, to follow. We don't worship the cross, we live. What's the point of the letter killing if the spirit can't make it alive? You are the fulfillment. Right now, in the name of Jesus, we're gonna end right here, but right now, I just wanna challenge you a little bit. Wherever you are, just lift a hand to heaven if you can. challenge your mentality right now Father God I spoke to them I told them what you said I allowed my mouth to speak your word but your word has intentions the spirit of your word make it alive to the hearer Reveal it in such a way where the only glory will be that of your son. Elaborate on it in such a way that the only credit that can be calculated will be your overflow. Let it be known that your power reigns. For every hand that's lifted, in reception by an act of faith reveal the power working in them that that power be your Holy Spirit not a lesser version but an empowered version the same spirit the same fire that lifted Jesus from the grave revelation be seared into the hearts of the person with their hand held right now in the name of Jesus let them get a holy boldness and confidence to attack the enemy every time they see it to stomp out death every time they come around to understand that they are the answer if there is a gap if there is poverty, let them stand in the way and understand that as an intercessor, the power that works in them will rest, rule, and abide. And when your presence descends in that moment, when the cloud lifts, the completion is done. Whatever was fragmented will be made whole. Whatever was sectioned will be brought together. We understand the assignment. This power isn't for us. It's for this world. It's for humanity.
God, we're going to continue to give your name the glory. We're going to continue to praise you. We're going to continue to, to be a witness of every one of your great wonders and amazing gifts. And we thank you for being counted worthy. In the name of Jesus, we affirm all of these things. Thank you for joining.